0: From runasradio.com, you're listening to Run As Radio, the internet audio talk show for IT professionals with Richard Campbell. This is Brandon Wen announcing show number 561, Azure Service Fabric, with guest Mikkel Mork-Heinheit, recorded Friday, November 17th, 2017. Run As Radio is produced each week by Pwop Productions, providing professional media and podcasting services online at pwop.com. You can follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash radio. Thank you, Brandon. This is Richard Campbell. And thanks for listening to Run As Radio. Another show coming from Connect in New York and the best name ever. It's Mickle Mark Hednos? Heinhold. Heinhold. There oh, you go. Like, like it's spelt. Yep. Is that Swedish? Danish. Danish. So very close to Swedish. Skandahuvian. Skanda- <laughs> Skandahuvian. <laughs> yeah. The country with all the Huguen. in. Yes. Right. Cause it's got, that's a distinctive sound to it. And you work with the Azure Developer Experience and the Microsoft DevDiv and you've been around Microsoft for a long time now since what, 2001, 2002?
1: Well, yeah, around Microsoft technology. I've been in Microsoft for the last six years. Okay. So yep. Yeah. It's a, it's a lot. It is. And I'm actually in the Azure team now.
0: You're actually in the <laughs> Azure team, so not DevDiv anymore.
1: I used to work in DevDiv. I actually used to do developer toolings for Azure. Right. Now I'm part of the Azure compute team. Nice. And I have my main focus in Service Fabric.
0: And service Fabric is one of those things, like we've heard it talked about, it makes a great slide. Yeah. Because it seems to be everything. Yeah. <laughs> it is. It's a lot of stuff. It really is. This is something that Microsoft itself depends on. Yes. So talk to us about this. So what is Service Fabric all about? At its core, it's a
1: great orchestration platform for Hmm. running high-distributed, high-scale applications reliably.
0: Okay. Across data centers, across the world kind of thing?
1: Yeah, even that. Mm -hmm. So the way that Microsoft relies on it is that we have a lot of the the worldwide available and highly available services that actually runs in Azure are being run on Service Fabric.
0: Right. So I have a show, you know, from the week before about Cosmos DB. Cosmos DB depends on Service Fabric? Cosmos DB runs on Service Fabric. Okay. That's interesting to know because that's their whole claim to fame is so you didn't want to scale out your database, right? Your Mm -hmm. your Mongo implementation or something so you Mm -hmm. simply flip over to Cosmos and now you've got it anywhere in the world, geolocated, read from the nearest node, write to a common node, like all these capabilities. Yes, And so that you know takes that onus off of me, but underneath that, what are you guys doing? Like, how much of that just comes from service fabric?
1: So we're this we're this thin layer that you can put on a set of VMs or machines, physical nodes, even Raspberry Pis, if that's what you want to do. Containers. Well, container comes above that. Okay, but let's let's get back to the container story. There is well, there's actually a dev story around containers as well, but that's sort of a different track. We'll get there. But 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 it's this thin layer that you. You run across a set of nodes and you have a cluster. Right. And now you sort of hand it over to Service Fabric to make sure that what you want, the workload you want to run in your cluster, mm-hmm. being at any executable that you have, being at a container, right, or being at what we call reliable service, which is special, special kind of executables that sort of hook into the Service Fabric platform. Any of these, you can tell Service Fabric to run within that cluster.
0: Okay. So when you say reliable service, that's literally like... At least two nodes kind of thing.
1: So that's just a specific kind of executable that adopts the programming language and our, you know, our SDK. Okay. So that you get to, from within the application that you write, you get to sort of hook into the service fabric platform and start influencing things like metrics for load balancing, provide health metrics to the underlying platform. So service fabric can react on those kind of things.
0: What things you should measure and where you feed them to. What the rules are for your load balance that makes you happy. Exactly. Okay. Stuff like that.
1: So you could imagine a scenario where, like, you want to load balance your services, not necessarily based on CPU or memory consumption, but right. some other metrics that make sense in the world of
0: your service in that domain. And this is about lighting up additional instances.
1: It could be about scaling out. It right. could be about moving them around. It could be making sure that load is even across servers, uh, a set of nodes and things like that. Cool. You can do that if you have the need to.
0: Right. So like a configuration language. It basically said, if these conditions shift, if these conditions add more nodes. Yeah,
1: stuff like that you can build
0: mm-hmm. around your cluster. Interesting. But but you can do
1: that. But we do see uh, most of our customers in many scenarios are most successful if they don't interfere with... How Service Fabric would like to run your service.
0: Right. You know better than I do. Exactly.
1: It will figure out how to run best and how to run things reliably.
0: Okay. Are we really in the pursuit of the 100% uptime type thing? Like are there cost levels of reliability?
1: It all depends on the – well, of course it depends on the (laughs) – reliability of your code right we can't do a lot about that no but then there's the reliability of the underlying machines that you run your cluster across and you can do so i said you can deploy it anywhere Mm like we have we have an easy way of running it within azure Mm -hmm. where we do extra stuff about hooking into the underlying azure infrastructure right so you know we get to make sure that we run you like we actually place your virtual machines on hardware that's working. On hardware. Well, yeah, of course, <laughs> on hardware that's working, but also in a way so that we protect you from specific hardware issues that could happen in any Azure data center. Right. Things like that. Yeah. Now, but you can go and run these on your own service as well. So Service fabric's not just for Azure. It's not. It's, wow. uh, it's, Any five machines, or it could be fewer, but we we recommend five for production uh, workloads. Okay. And it could be five Raspberry Pis. Could be five Raspberry Pis. It could be five VMs in another cloud provider's data center. Could
0: be five physical
1: machines in your own data center.
0: Right. So this gets to this idea of cloud as architecture Mm -hmm. as much as cloud as product. Yes. Mm Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, and apart from the choices of where to run it, we also support running either on Windows or Ubuntu. Okay. So even Linux, Windows workloads, we do all
0: of these. But specifically Ubuntu?
1: Specifically Ubuntu at this point in time for right. Linux. We're looking into enabling Rail as
0: well. Right. But yeah. So that's that's a point in time thing of where we are right now. I'm sure it continues to evolve. But it's yes. it's an interesting idea because you have Azure Stack out there. Yes. So that's always been the thought of, okay, if I really want to have my own cloud architecture, I'll mm-hmm. buy Azure Stack. and It's just an extension of Azure. Effectively, I own it. It just appears in the portal. But Microsoft manages it for the most part. I'm sure Service Fabric runs on it as well. Yes. But this sounds like an even lower layer where it's like I can pick hardware, my own gear, and run Service Fabric against it. Yes. And choose, you know, how things are going to behave.
1: Yeah, and it gives you more choice in the lights of other options for you. Sure. We have scenarios where people run service fabric clusters in disconnected environment and even on, like, (laughs)
0: Right. right? So not associated with Azure at all.
1: No, but they just need this reliable platform for a certain workload in whatever infrastructure is. Mm -hmm. But the good thing about this is that once you get your applications packed up, like, and, you know, we you need a set of manifesto declarations to run your applications. That's sort of the API of how you get things to run into Azure. Right. But once you get that packed up, wherever you have a service fabric cluster, you can bring your application there. So even scenarios where you want to run it in cloud and on-prem
0: or different places. Sure, this idea of bursting to the cloud or failover to the cloud.
1: Exactly, disaster recovery scenarios and sure. things like those. Sure,
0: yeah. So you have that option to just go, okay, well, we're normally running on-prem. Oh, we're hitting saturation of load. Let's start shifting some of this load off to the cloud. Yeah. Let's shift all of it to the cloud. Yeah. Our, our data center's in crisis. Our backup strategy is the cloud. Shift all the workload. Yes. Cool. Yep. Yeah. And just a nice, battle-proven, maintained chunk of infrastructure code you don't need to own anymore. Exactly. So where do you control this from? Is this a, an Azure portal thing? If it's if I'm totally on prem with this, what does it look like? So
1: in the Azure integrated offering we have, it's mm-hmm. it's a bit more integrated in what you would do on prem. Right. So there are there are Azure Portal experiences around setting up and scaling your clusters and right. those kind of things. But there is a common API as well for service fabric wherever you run it. And to interact with that API, we provide uh C L I tooling. Right. Uh, cross-platform, we provide PowerShell, PowerShell for you, yeah. and of course, we have the REST APIs, and we also provide some UI management a thing we call the Service Fabric Explorer, which is basically just a web-based explorer to get insight into what's in your cluster, scale things, failover things, right. you know, all these kind of stuff.
0: So, and in the end, the the Azure integrated experience is just calling into those API layers anyway. Yes. So, but you now have direct control over if you want what is your gear.
1: Yeah, we want. I mean, we want to give you a good experience of doing this in Azure. Right, but we also want to give you a unified experience. I think that's Azure. the more important thing, actually. And other places,
0: you don't want a trick that's in a, in the UI in Azure that I don't have access to on prem. Exactly. Yeah, so you want the same behavior yeah. in either case, even though the UI may not be the same. The capabilities are the same. Yes. And in the end, if you're doing it on prem, it should all be PowerShell anyway. In fact, it should all be PowerShell for everything. powershell all the things powershell all the things yeah Yeah, no no kidding that's that's really interesting so i mean it speaks to just how broad service fabric has gotten as you see this is sort of comprehensive strategy if you're running anything that needs to be reliable you should be looking at service fabric well there is there
1: is of course the entry point that if you want to run in production you need at least five machines
0: for us to have
1: a reliable platform
0: to run on what about the networking side of this
1: well, we need reliable network within those nodes because right. there is some traffic going on and there is communication about balancing and everything. We did talk a little bit about those things we call reliable services. Right. Yeah. So what's also special about Service Fabric is that it's actually data aware mm-hmm. in the sense that we have a replication mechanism within the cluster. Mm-hmm. So if you go and store some state or some data into one of the nodes it can be replicated without the cluster so it's always accessible and even if services move around they can you know they have the data available locally to serve you there so another you know another layer to the whole reliability and availability of what you run but now with data as well right and that's actually how service fabric itself works which come back to the requirement of five nodes running in production right like we have i mean a lot of the a lot of the things we do in Service Fabric is really built around our experience of running things in Azure. Right. Like there are certain min bar of things you would have to do to actually claim that you do run reliable. Right. So that comes down to this, you know, we need at least three copies of the data we store. And the reason we get to five is if you have one node in down for upgrade, because you need to upgrade the operating right. system to something
0: else. Now you're down to four.
1: You're down to four, so you can still afford having another node go down, yeah. but you still run reliably. Right, you have a set. So, seven. you know, so all of these things is sort of, you know, almost built into the platform in how we do things. Mm-hmm. Even when we do upgrades, we we always do rolling upgrades. So let's say we have the five nodes in our cluster and we either need to upgrade Service Fabric itself, we need to upgrade the configuration of how it runs, or we need to upgrade an application running on top of it. Mm -hmm. We go one node at a time, we put in like, Let's call them think times or whatever you want to call them. Right. You know, whenever we have upgraded one node, we go and monitor and make sure that your process and your application is actually running, that is still healthy. And let's say after a five-minute timeout, configurable value, we move on and start upgrading the next one. Right. And if through this upgrade anything bad happens, we roll everything back to the previous version you had.
0: Now, when do you shift the
1: workload over? Depending on the different workloads you have, if it's just a, we call them stateless, so a workload that don't care about data, right. where each copy is sort of like a cattle, yeah. we take them down. So let's say you had like two instances running within a cluster and we need to upgrade them one by one. Okay, We move them over, we do the upgrade, so we make sure that they move around and you still have those instances of your applications running while we do the upgrade along along the cluster right but i mean
0: i'm thinking about the five nodes yeah you so you're gonna you upgrade you take one out of the pool yeah. you upgrade it yes you take the second one out of. you don't put the first one back in the pool or oh yeah you? we do
1: we so put the do. first one back in the pool back in the pool and then we then we monitor the cluster for a period of time right i think it's like 15 minutes in the default
0: okay so there's one node with a new version running on it yes and it's part of the workload so some people are seeing the new version so to speak yeah
1: So it requires you and it also requires us because that's how we upgrade service fabric. So Mm -hmm. you always have to like, you need, you need two upgrades to break compatibility. Right. And again, you have to do these things to actually be able to run reliably. Sure.
0: And that's our experience. This isn't new to service fabric. If you were running without service fabric and trying to do rolling updates, you've got the same problem. Exactly. I mean, I've, I've built systems, dealt with systems where we literally took one by one, leaving them out of the pool till we got to 50% and then we flopped. Yep. Now move the workload across and then upgrade the rest yep. so that everybody was on the old experience and then everybody was on the new experience. Yes. But it's kind of an archaic approach. I mean, I, I'm talking about doing that in the 90s Yes. when we did it that way. Today, it's much more expected that you simply move to the new workloads just incorporated in the process.
1: Exactly. And if you look at how, because when you, so when you run Service Fabric in Azure, the Service Fabric layer, mm-hmm. we, we upgrade that uh, and we do it fairly frequently. Right. But when we have to roll out a new version of Service Fabric across all the clusters that run in Azure,
0: mm-hmm.
1: it usually takes a week or two.
0: Really? So it's just happening steadily all but the it's, time? Yeah.
1: And it's, it's a combination of the safe deployment process that we follow within Azure. Mm-hmm. And, you know, based on our experience of how what works and what doesn't work. Yeah. So we've actually started now incorporating it even in the blog posts. <laughs> so we put out a blog post saying, hey, we started releasing a new version. Right. And a few weeks later... Hey, we've done releasing the new version. And people are <laughs> like, that's, but isn't that, you know, it's, it's a strange thing. People have to like get used to that at how the it reality
0: works. that it runs that long.
1: Yeah. But for us to go across all the clusters, across all the data centers, mm-hmm. across all the regions, across the globe
0: and take nothing down in the process
1: and don't take anything down in process, but keep you running, keep you reliable and you get the new bits, you get the new features. That's, that's how we do it. And it works.
0: Nice. So what is the load balancer in that equation? Is this all software-driven stuff, or do you have a hardware load? If it's your gear, like if, do I have an F5 that I can command around? Or?
1: You can do that. Right. And it's very much up to
0: what your workload demands. Sure. Service Fabric understands that. Well, so, yeah, again, so
1: the individual services you would run into your, in, in your cluster, mm-hmm. they, would, they would be the ones that expose the endpoints that they would
0: need. Right.
1: So a usual, a common pattern when people build a service or an application on top of Service Fabric is that they, they also build some sort of gateway into the cluster. Right. So basically a small stateless service that takes care of the routing so that you don't leak that inner implementation of what's actually the different services in the cluster to mm-hmm. any external client. But all the external client has to f- care about is contacting this gateway that actually runs in the cluster. It does the rest. And it does the rest within the
0: cluster. So normally it's a soft gateway, but it
1: could be a hard gateway. It could be a hard gateway. That's but true. Right. So concepts like naming resolution and right. service discovery that you might have heard in talking about other orchestrators container sure. orchestration all of these things exist in service fabric as right. part of that and if you just want to bring container workloads to it we can do that mm-hmm. so you can basically run anything you want
0: yeah you have all the choice in the world yeah michael uh, give me one moment here to pay the bills This episode of Run As Radio is brought to you by the Humanitarian Toolbox. Humanitarian Toolbox builds open source software for disaster relief organizations. One of our leading projects, called Already, focuses on getting volunteers into the right place at the right time. HDBox is deploying this application in the field in the first half of 2017, and they need your help. Go to HDBox.org for more information or to make a tax-deductible donation. HDBox is a 501c3 U.S. registered charity. And we're back. You're listening to Run As Radio. I'm your host, Richard Campbell, here with Mikkel talking about Service Fabric. And we're here in New York at Connect. Just show's just about over. Been, been making uh, making a few shows and having some fun with it. So what's the failover detection strategy then? Like well, when do you well, how do you measure failure enough to pull something out of a cluster?
1: So Service Fabric has a concept of health events. Okay. So they're basically There are things that we monitor in our services and your services as well. Mm -hmm. And then Service Fabric can deem certain things unhealthy or in a warning state. And that's basically how we react to those things.
0: And so it's actually up to us to say what state we feel that services in exactly
1: so t- let's take a scenario where you have an executable that's just a background worker like a very simple scenario and you go and you run that in service fabric mm-hmm. now what we would do is we would look at whether the process is up and running or not right we know the process id because we started it so we do all the life cycle management around your process right if we at one point in time the, the process goes away well, yeah. there was a failure event, and yeah. we will try to bring that process up, your service up, on one of the other nodes. Right. And until, I mean, if it keeps failing, if there's something with your service that doesn't work, it, it doesn't have the dependencies it needs, whatever that could be, at one point, we will, of course, stop trying.
0: Yeah, so you'll try a certain number of times. And exactly.
1: So in the situation where we need to move your service because either we need to take the host down for maintenance right. or we want to rebalance the cluster because mm-hmm. we feel that, you know… The load is not right. We will go in and send you, send your process events. Basically, it's a control C event. This is just an executable. Right. Depending on your workload, you Do either react to out, that right or you. Yeah. You don't care, you just go down and then we bring your executable up on any of the other nodes. The same with containers, if it was a container, we just shut down your containers and we move them around.
0: Will it light up additional nodes to fill up the cluster again?
1: You would have to provide additional nodes to the cluster. right? So typically in Azure, what you do there is we integrate with virtual machine skill sets. Mm-hmm. So it's basically just a virtual machine model that you scale to you know, an instance count of what you need, right? which makes up the cluster we run on top of. So the scaling mechanisms you can apply to virtual machine skill sets is what will then accrue to your service fabric cluster right. in that scenario.
0: So the five is five unique pieces of hardware, right? Is that that's the yeah intent- or virtual machines, right? Yeah, well, there are five VMs, but yes. should they be five VMs on five physical boxes?
1: So the the concept that we want you to apply is that when when a node is part of a service fabric cluster, mm-hmm. it sits in in a matrix of what we call an upgrades and fault domains. So basically, the upgrade domains is you know we upgrade a single upgrade domain at a time. So let's say you had five nodes, each of them would be in their separate upgrade domain, which is when we do the rolling upgrades. Let's say you had 10 nodes but still five upgrade domains. We will actually upgrade two nodes at a time. Right. It's just the five, the, the upgrade domains that sort of uh, makes that, you know, the rolling upgrade. Uh. The same way we have fault domains. And we use that to make sure that we run your services across fault domains. Right. That would be lines of hardware. Yeah. And that would be lines of, or even like, you know, a single rack tower with sure. a specific power supply and networking. So, like, let's say you run, you want to... Have this ten node cluster and you have two of your servers in one fault domain. Right. And you want to run two instances of your application. We spread them across upgrades and fault domains. Right. Nice.
0: So again. So reliability is unique upgrade fault domain combinations. Exactly. Okay. That's really that's really strong. So that's now, does how that go, that's
1: how the fabric knows about that underlying infrastructure that it runs on.
0: Right? Does that get outside of the data center or is there a different structure when you want to get geolocated?
1: You can run across data center It basically comes down to the latency and how much data you want to push over those lines sure as i said the data replication that we need for the system to work could potentially then go through a you know data center to data center connection Mm -hmm. and the way that the whole data replication stack works is that anything you commit to the data store needs to be in at least three copies throughout the cluster right before that transaction sort of ends so if one of these copies is in a remote data center you will get probably poor performance you're getting a latency hit for it you're gonna hit latency hit for that so you need to be aware of those things if you design those kind of setups now we have some customers that have scenarios where they uh, they do have a cluster running cross data centers right. but what they do is more of like a dr setup so disaster recovery scenario right so they run certain workloads primarily in the one data center right
0: they're not really fetching any workloads from the backup
1: no so when an in imp- potentially they have a disaster they can st- they can light up these workloads in that other data right. center.
0: And they're more or less continuously synchronized. Yes. So that's normal. Yeah. And then, and then at least every that new site might be further away and a little more latent, but at least it's consistent. Yeah. It's not, it's not sort of random. And it keeps your service up. Yeah. And, it, and it ultimately, that's the goal. But nor, it sounds like normal is a cluster across multiple sets of hardware, maintaining three sets of data, mm-hmm. probably in the same building or in the, at least the same immediate area. Yes. I mean, we might want separate racks, separate PowerPoints, separate AC channels. But if you're at that scale, what I like about this is because you're just defining the Upgrade groups and upgrade domains and the fault domains. You don't actually have to get into all that really. You need, you need to know what the hardware is, what the options mm-hmm. are, and you simply define it that way. Yeah. Are there templates for a lot of the configurations? Like the sort of standards that I, I want to work from that yeah. come from service fabric?
1: Yeah. There are both. If you want to do deployments in Azure, we have lots of. So all deployments in Azure goes through the Azure resource manager. Right. Or ARM. So there are templates out there for different configurations of service fabric clusters. And the same way when you do a uh, standalone installation, so an installation which is not in Azure. There's simply a configuration manifest that you use when you set up your cluster that defines the placement of, you know, uh, these nodes in the different folds and update, update domains. So you have to tell Service Fabric how that works. And of course, you can update that configuration at any point in time if you change the physical layout of things. Sure. And all of that. So that comes with the standalone installation package. Right. You get all these templates there.
0: Yeah, and I don't think you're ever going to just run five. You're probably going to run more. Many scenarios yeah. you do. You
1: can even have, you know, different different nodes that you sort of reserve for specific scenarios. So we're working against also enabling you to do like mixed operating system clusters. Hmm. So you say you had like a cluster with both Windows and Linux nodes in, yep. then there might be some workloads, some Java or .NET Core workloads that could run on either of those. Yes. And there might be some workloads that can only run on one of the operating systems. Right. But you would be able to do all of that and define the different executable packages if they have to run on one of the, we call the node types right, or the other node types. But node types could also just be uh, networking configurations around nodes. Mm -hmm. So let's say you sort of reserve a set of nodes that have like pop that publicly exposed, but then you also have a set of nodes that are not publicly reachable by network connectivity, but only between those types of nodes. So if you have these typical, you know, front and back end scenarios, you can even do that with front-end backend cluster
0: or node pools or nice. node types within a cluster. And then that also gives you nice security boundaries for a bunch of things. Right? Exactly, like it does. Of...
1: And you just tell Service Fabric where you know where your services are allowed to run, right? Or even if they have to run on the same node.
0: And it sounds like something I could automate a lot uh, extensively too, if I wanted to have self-provisioning for certain tasks. And yeah, there's any number of ways you could go with that.
1: Yeah, there are some there are some interesting areas. Typically, we see that around uh, IoT or in you know uh, when SaaS providers use our products. So imagine that you're a SaaS provider and you provide some online software service. And maybe you you know you sell like different tiers of that. The way you you would use the Service Fabric platform is that you you go and deploy what we call an application, which is basically just a collection of executables or services. You can then put these application definitions into your cluster, and then you can provision new instances of them. Right. So imagine a scenario: where you're a SaaS provider, and you 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 have this offering. The way that you could scale out in those scenarios is basically whenever a new customer comes along, you just give them a new set of executables. Sure. For their scenario, right. And then you can have like more or a few of these, depending on the features you want to light up right. within that. And the same for IT scenarios, where a new device just creates a new instance of a specific type of application that you already have in your cluster. Right. So those, you know, the provisioning scenarios and, and scaling scenarios can be automated in that way as well.
0: Yeah, hey, you build your own cloud if you really want to. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. And there is—I've got to think of a certain number of people is like, "Why would I do any of this? Like, what are the what are the w- kinds of workloads where you you want this?"
1: So. If, if you have to build new applications and you look into distributed microservices right. architecture and, you know. A little bit of cloud native, or whatever you want to yeah. call it, stuff like that. Uh, the platform is really giving you all the tools and enables you need to have, like small services work together as a big application, right? Where you get all these benefits of upgrading the individual services independently of the other ones. And you have some
0: granular control over all. Yeah, right?
1: and you get the rolling upgrade in all these scenarios where you have like large deployments and things like that. But so you, that's you definitely can go a to the container
0: level, and you know we sort of touched this earlier on, yep. where Service Fabric is still there. You're just not owning it now. You're running an Azure container service or something like that through Kubernetes. Mm -hmm. And you still do all these things. It's just that it's Kubernetes that's calling to the Service Fabric.
1: So, Kubernetes and Service Fabric does a lot of the same things. Okay, they they both do orchestration. Right. Kubernetes is orchestrating containers, whereas mm-hmm. Service Fabric's orchestrates containers and other stuff. And
0: other stuff. Basically, Service Fabric is a superset here.
1: It is, yeah. And and it's 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 because we provide you stuff for actually building applications on top of it in terms of programming languages. Sure. We give you the state support and we give you some other things. Well,
0: and I'm thinking in terms of I have existing software running in VMs that yes. I want to migrate to the cloud, but I want to start taking advantage of the cloud yes. without having to rearchitect into
1: containers yeah and that you can do if you don't want to go down a container route mm-hmm. and we see some customers do that you can simply just bring your executables into service fabric right so that's a, that's that's the difference between what kubernetes can do and what service fabric can do, sure is that service fabric can orchestrate well basically anything, anything whereas kubernetes you have to bring containers
0: it has to be in, in containers yes. so i could even see it as an interim step although you may never get off of that interim step
1: yeah and that's the typical like questions the, well, we talk about greenfield development scenarios, sure. like new things and brownfields. Brownfield is is really brown. It's really like, there's a lot of ways things you can do. Yeah. Because it often ends like, most of the applications you have, you don't really want to invest in really modernizing no. them. You just want like ease of operation, more agility in how you operate.
0: Yeah, or, you keep know. it reliable, scalable, you know, exactly. all of that effective pain.
1: Yeah, and you can basically bring them as they are and yeah. run them in
0: service fabric that way and get
1: all those benefits without even knowing whether you at a certain point in time really want to modernize the code behind these things.
0: Decide that later. Yeah. Well, and I think at the simplest level you could give it relatively little instructions and it's running as if it was just bare hardware more or less Mm -hmm. and then as you become aware of scaling issues or, you know, additional stressors Or additional capabilities, you can start to implement more service fabric features to take advantage of that. Yeah. So I can also – sometimes you end up with these VMs that are pretty hefty. Like you can't light them up and tear them down very quickly. Yeah. So you've got to be sensitive to that. You may actually judge to scale early just because you know it's going to take a few minutes to light the VM and get it involved in the cluster. Yeah. But you have control. Yeah. I get that's the sense I get from this, uh, is really about control of your, your destiny. Yes. I used to do this with F5s and Barracudas and, and, you know, architecting our own low-balance solutions and failover solutions and instrumentation. And you end up owning a lot of plumbing. Yeah. It's not an easy thing to do. Yeah. So I appreciate you guys are taking that on for us. <laughs> well, you're
1: welcome. Yeah. And I think we really, I mean, we really, strive to make sure that we give you an integrated platform and experience around this Mm -hmm. so you don't have to go and, you know, pick a lot of different tools to get all this going. There's sort of an integrated, like, a little bit of a prescriptive way, you can say. Sure. But with all the nuts and the handles, you would need to configure it for your specific uh, use case scenario. That's
0: And again, whether on-premises are running in Azure, I mean, I like that symmetry that then, oh, we don't want to provision more hardware. The contract's coming up on this data center, and you know we're going to be delayed a year. Can you move? Yeah. You can move. Yes. Right? You don't have to reinvent that architecture in a different cloud. Yeah. Anything else? Did I miss something important here, uh, Michael? No,
1: I think no, one thing is that we we are looking into taking even more away from you in terms of responsibilities right (laughs) which hopefully gives you more value
0: less to worry about yeah
1: so we're looking into how we can provide a service fabric platform as a service Mm -hmm. so we call it a managed service fabric Mm -hmm. uh, in azure which basically means that you don't even see the nodes and your cluster we take that away from you so you just get this place where you go and provision your applications and we can run them reliably in the cloud for you so you you know, and, and give you all the scaling benefits and all those things that we just
0: talked about. And you're only paying for the VMs anyway. Today, you're only paying for the VMs, yeah. Right. I mean, it all depends on how many it lights, but the, the infrastructure that takes care of that, yep. that's just included with the price of the VMs. Yes. That's pretty cool. Yep. Well, Michael, thank you so much for coming on the show. I appreciate your insights. Thanks for having me. And we'll talk to you next time on Runners Radio.